This is Abrupt Future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. Each week, we feature conversations with experts in leadership, management, human resources, culture, and technology to help you succeed in this new normal. This is your host, Benoit Ardivalli. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Abrupt Future. This week, we are lucky to have with us Shana Waters. She is the Vice President, Behavioral Science at BetterUp. She's also a professor, author, and a certified leadership coach. So first of all, Shana, welcome to the show and thanks for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to be here. So Shana, my first question for you, I would love uh, to hear a little bit more about BetterUp and how you are using behavioral science to help employees and organizations growing. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, yes, BetterUp is a late stage startup based out of Silicon Valley. We were founded in late 2013. And our mission is to help individuals live their lives with greater clarity, purpose, and passion. And we do that by providing personalized development at scale um, through what we call a people experience platform. And what's what's particularly unique about BetterUp is that behavioral science is embedded in absolutely everything we do. Um, so our approach to personalized development and scalable behavior change was developed in collaboration with our world-class science board uh, that has members like Marty Seligman, who's credited as the father of positive psychology, and Adam Grant, uh, who you may know from the Work Life podcast. And they help us ensure that it's supported by the latest scientific research. And then even beyond that, we have about two dozen PhDs from various disciplines who work at BetterUp, and they're charged with synthesizing the uh, best available evidence across disciplines, and then embedding that into our product, into our coaching, and into our customer engagement. Um, and, you know, fun fact is that we have PhDs embedded in just about every function at BetterUp, including sales, which is pretty unusual. Um, so, it, you know, beyond all of those ways, we also just fundamentally believe that new solutions are going to be needed to meet the unprecedented challenges that people and organizations are facing today. So we've also invested in our own in-house research arm that we call BetterUp Labs. And then BetterUp Labs coordinates um, and collaborates on academic research with several of our science board, board members. Um, just as a few examples, we collaborate with Marty Seligman, who I mentioned, on designing cutting-edge research about flourishing at work. And then we also do research on things like the impact of loneliness on the workplace and have published in uh, HBR with Shauna Kaur. Basically, all of that gets wrapped up together into our product and our coaching methodology. For that, we're really drawing from the latest in learning science, and then we rapidly translate our own in-house research from BetterUp Labs into our coach training and certifications, and then monitor outcomes. Um, all of that being a, a way to really amplify and reduce the uh, time lag that you typically see to go from science to practice. All of that's underpinned by validated assessments that, you know, we, we developed according to the most rigorous psychometric standards. And, and we think that's really critical because we measure everything we do. And so we do that to make sure that we're, we're not just developing our members, but we're also developing the practice of development. 
and coaching. Yeah, all of that is to say that behavioral science is everywhere at BetterUp. And as a mission-driven organization, it's really core to our reason for being. And as I was looking at the, the company, I understand that a lot of these assessment and even the coaching is also delivered in a you could call it a remote fashion, right? It sounds like there's a lot of remote coaching that is available. And I'm highlighting that because when we think about the traditional coaching, it's a little bit more of a personal and a face-to-face. And it sounds like you also have the ability to scale that and be a little bit more location agnostic. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that again, is really core to, you know, the how of uh, our mission, which is, you know, that it, we, we have this deep-rooted philosophical belief that every Every person, um, you know, deserves to have a development partner from sort of cradle to grave, if you will. And the only way that we can can reach that kind of scale is by using uh, technology um, and by really unlocking the coach workforce from around the globe. So we have thousands of coaches who sit pretty much everywhere in the world in every time zone and um, speaking, you know, over 40 languages. And that really enables us to achieve a kind of scale that, you know, was previously unprecedented. No, that's a, uh, it's a very modern approach to, to coaching. And what, what I found also fascinating is that in your development approach, you put the emphasis on the, the coaching relationship, which also I would say complement and even augment a lot of the thinking these days about uh, training and learning and development, because obviously we can watch hours of training online. We can take video, you know, look at videos. We can take online quizzes, but there come a certain time where only contemplating a a screen in a non-personal interaction where you are not talking or you're not listening someone, but it's canned content, it can be very tiring. And I found that by bringing that humanity through technology, it sounds like you're bringing the best of both worlds. Yeah, well, thank you. We we hope so. I think that's definitely... Our uh, our goal is to really identify like what are the what are the things that are uniquely human. How do we really amplify member development by getting a little bit more nuanced and sophisticated about you know using humans where you know it's most effective to do so, but also using technology to augment those humans in ways that make them even more effective. So what are the things that technology is good at? Well, technology is superior to humans in pattern recognition, right? And technology can help us reduce cognitive load and things like that. So how do we enable our coaches to have the platform as, as essentially serving as their cape, right? And, and making them sort of super coaches. And in one of your research paper and also on, on, on the website, there is a lot of thinking around resiliency. And I would say, especially since the COVID crisis, I think everybody needs an extra dose of resiliency. But even before that, there was clearly a, a trend or a need to improve the resiliency of individuals and organization. So can you tell us a little bit about, about why it's becoming more and more important these days? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're right to point out this is a topic we've been interested in for, for a while, but it's really 
really become top of mind for many of the organizations that that we serve. And I I think just to put in perspective, like what's happening right now is just not normal. Um, You know, I think it's the first time almost all of us have experienced a worldwide pandemic. Uh, And, you know, we, we have to recognize that these extremely unusual times that we're in, um, and, and give ourselves a little bit of grace as we try to forge a path uh, to the other side of the crisis. The pandemic has challenged us all in different ways. You know, here in America, the, the issues of racial injustice have just exacerbated that impact. So when we're talking about resilience, we're, we're really speaking about the ability to bounce back. Um, and so given all of these stressors, it's just more important than ever. Now, there's some pretty cool things that resilience can do. And so, you know, what, what we've learned in our research is at the individual level, we find that more re- resilient individuals are more able to update their information, adapt their thinking. They can rapidly address new and evolving challenges like the ones I just described. And they're more creative and innovative at work. Now, at the team level, individuals with greater resilience report that their work teams are actually more agile and more creative and innovative. And then you know, some of our recent work has actually shown that organizations that have higher resilience have 42% higher return on assets and 269% higher return on equity. And we think this is because they're they're really able to better balance like near-term survival. If you think about, you know, what, what's that immediate re- response to a crisis, it tends to be about survival, but with that longer-term focus on success. One other, you know, sort of data point point around that, that that I'll share just to highlight how challenging this is, is that, you know, the current state of chaos and pain that this country is experiencing is reflected in our, our collective well-being. And BetterUp has been tracking well-being on over 6,000 members since like soon after the pandemic began. We've seen well-being being low since we began that tracking. But the week after George Floyd's murder that really brought racial injustice back into the spotlight, the those scores plummeted even further, reaching an all-time low. Yeah, and and we actually found that was like 14% lower than the highest point, even within the pandemic in the last 11 weeks. So yeah, so it's just a really poignant, um, you know, lens into just this collective tension and, and stress that we're all experiencing right now. You also mentioned agility, and I wonder, I'd love to have your perspective on that. Would resilience be one of the capability that, that enable agility in organization? And granted, agility can mean so many things, but if we think about, you know, the speed, innovation, ability to manage change and all that, it seems like the way the concept and the research has evolved, it's as much as this resilient organization will be more likely to be agile. Right. Yeah. So they're definitely related skills. And, you know, generally, the the distinction that I think of um, as being helpful there is that resilience is your ability to bounce back. And then agility is 
adding on to that sort of your um, ability to really scan the environment, understand what's needed, and then adjust in a way that is productive, uh, given that broader organizational or environmental context. That's a great uh, distinction. Thanks for that. Uh, Now, the tougher one, how do we build resilient organization and resilient leaders? Yeah, it's such a great question. And, and, you know, this is where I think a an interdisciplinary focus can can really help us because um, there's there's some you know a lot of research in the clinical domain that really focuses on um, just precisely that issue you know it's this observation that change can can certainly result in negative consequences but it can also result in growth to the extent that there's actually an outcome in the clinical domain that's referred to as post traumatic growth or PTG. And it's a form of development that, you know, it stems from disruptive or difficult events, but it actually results in improving in, um, in improvements that go beyond previous functioning. So it's this really interesting dichotomy that, you know, people can experience trauma and it can either be stifling or it could actually, you know, create a, a, an unforeseen improvement. So how do we do that? And, you know, how do we know whether someone's going to, going to falter or, or grow? Well, our research has identified five of the most important drivers of resilience. Um, and this is based on our, you know, validated assessment. And those are cognitive agility, emotional regulation, self-compassion, optimism, and self-efficacy. And so, you know, by by being able to really focus on these mindsets and skills that are uh, most strongly linked to resilience, it kind of gives us a clue or, or even a recipe about how we can each become more resilient. And I would guess that some individuals might be, you know, better at the emotional capability, other would be more optimistic. So there is there a personal a personalization of the development going on here? Yeah, exactly. So and and this is why um, personalized development can can really shine in these areas where, you know, the good thing about all five of those factors is that they are malleable. We know that we can develop them with intention and practice. So people may have a natural tendency, for example, to be a a pessimist or an optimist, but there are also a phenomena called learned optimism. And so we can we can teach a pessimist to be more optimistic. And so if you identify that as as a, a weak point for you, you can really, you know, I think it's it can be really encouraging to know that you can actually improve on that and and ultimately improve your resilience as a result. Which trumps a little bit the notion that sometime, you know, oh people's personality, we don't change people. I'm born like that. People are like that. Well what you're saying is in fact, no, these attitude can be molded or sculpted through time, right? With the right level of attention and intention. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, so, you know, this notion of traits is absolutely valid and people have really stable patterns that like, like where's your center of gravity and your center of gravity might be that, you know, you tend to see the glass half empty, but that does not mean that, you know, you are forever that way. You're going to manifest that differently across situations. And again, with with concerted development, you can, you know, develop a new habit of mind uh, that might result in seeing that glass half full. And when we try to help individuals become more 
resilient? What's the impact of coaching? Yeah, well, you you probably won't be surprised given that, you know, I work at a <laughs> evidence-based organization that provides coaching at scale that yep. that uh, current best evidence suggests that coaching is is among the most active interventions <laughs> to, to improve resilience. And and I'll pull from like two pools of research on that. So one is internally. Uh, we recently compared coached employees to non-coached employees over this period of the COVID crisis. And what we found was that people who were not receiving coaching had no change um, in their resilience over this time period, but better up members actually grew in their resilience. So um, we found that the group that did not have, co- have coaching had no change in resilience before to after COVID, but the group that had coaching grew their resilience levels by 17%. So something that's kind of related to, to resilience and, and just kind of the impact that coaching can make in response to stressful situations and, and people's responses to stressful situations situations is um, employee experience. So similarly, we compared people who had and did not have coaching before and after um, COVID-19 on their employee experience. And for people who did not have coaching, their employee experience actually decreased by 2%, whereas uh, employees who did have coaching increased by 7%. You know, I think what, what that points to is just that this notion of focusing on these foundational mindsets and skills has a buffering effect uh, in response to crisis. And, and this actually has been, you know, independently validated by scientific reports. There's a great meta-analysis by Van Hove and, and colleagues in 2016 that also pointed to uh, coaching as the, the most effective um, intervention for building re- resilience. And what other benefits have you seen of coaching? Well, gosh, there's a lot. Um, it, I, and part of that is just because it's it's a really flexible intervention since it's inherently personalized. So just to give you a sense of this, at BetterUp, we track over 130 outcomes, everything from goal progress and productivity to well-being, life satisfaction, physical health, and even sleep quality. Um, and we see significant improvements on all of those things. And it, it sounds almost like too good to be true or, you know, this kind of magic golden key. But I think if you if you put it in the broader context, if you think of elite performers in any profession, they have more developmental support rather than less. A, a colleague of mine, Dr. Damian Vaughn, he's a retired NFL player turned positive psychologist, like great, you know, unusual kind of career change. But he, he actually found his way to coaching because as an elite athlete, he had the support of an entire team of coaches. They think he talks about there being 10 coaches for, you know, for the NFL. Uh, you know, a single NFL team. And and then he transitioned into the corporate world. And he was actually pretty shocked to find that leaders, you know, were expected to, you know, have sort of game day performance with no practice and with minimal developmental support. And so, you know, I think this notion of coaching providing a safe space where you can learn and explore and practice and get feedback and be held accountable, kind of regardless of the goal, when you think about it in that context, it, it becomes a little bit more understandable why 
you know, there's such far uh, reaching benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this story perfectly illustrates the need to improve performance through that personalized and personal interaction. So when we look at the future and likely a workforce that will be increasingly distributed, maybe more and more technologized or using more and more digital means and also a you know organization that still need to improve engagement and and reach out to their employees how do you see the future of leadership development how do you think it's going to evolve whether in its method or models or application yeah well i definitely agree with you that i think the uh the future of leadership development is going to be much more agile, distributed in the flow of work. I think it's going to take, you know, incorporating a lot more data to uncover blind spots for people. Mm. And, you know, some of that is that right now we're, we're highly dependent on, you know, just opinions of others that, that with varying degrees of opportunity to observe and all of that. So as, as um, we technology continues to improve, I think we can get more and more objective data and real time feedback, you know, where we can provide opportunities to practice with in a safe environment and you're already seeing you know emergence of uh, virtual reality and, and things like that to help help do just that provide lower stakes opportunities to practice and then one of the things is that I I really believe that the corporate world is going to catch up to the military so in the military leadership development starts on day one and it's not just tied to a particular role or hierarchy this sort of inevitability that it eventually you know if you are still uh, a service member, you will lead. And I think the modern environment doesn't have the the luxury of, of that hierarchy anymore either. And so every employee is going to need to build leadership skills, and and that's going to require scalable solutions. We just we we don't have the luxury to wait to you know send something up and back down the flagpole anymore. We've got to make decisions much more quickly. So. How do we how do we equip people with the skills they need to do that? So the future would be data driven leadership at scale, right? Or at every level. Less gut feeling, more data and less level and more of a general employee capability to nurture. Yeah, I think that that's that's what I'm sensing from, you know, where technology is evolving and where the needs are are. But would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what what you're observing in that area. I think you're you're spot on, although not everyone is still willing to invest on the data side because you need to capture data, you need to monitor it, and it comes with either the logistical challenge or also the comfort about, you know, being listened to or heard or, or monitored. But I think definitively we need leaders who have a better pulse about their employees because I think a lot of people still think that leadership is only a matter of gut feeling and you know what to do and and it's true in a way as some people might have natural inclination but there's just so much you can learn especially with the development of psychology these days and cognitive science and the sociology of organization there's just so much you can learn to improve yourself so why not putting it in a in a new framework i think also what could be changing the game is that increasingly a workforce quote unquote will be made of people in all kind of countries 
but also there will be either robots or AI or, or different form of interaction that will be sending emails and chat and that we will be interacting with. And that might change also the psychology of a leader where clearly you have to guide the AI because, you know, any other technique won't work. Well, then maybe it's the same thing with human. You need to, to guide them. You don't need to micromanage them. I mean, my, my hope is that in all that, we're going to make micromanagement history. I think it's the, <laughs> the biggest plague that, that we still have in some organization. Most people are getting better, but there's still a fair amount of that, even by people who say that they don't like or don't practice micromanagement. I think it's still there and it's still creating struggling condition for a lot of workers. And that's why some people, you know, go into smaller organization or become independent worker just to regain a little bit of that autonomy. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're, what you're highlighting there too, is just the, like how, how deep that work is, how challenging it is to make that shift from you know, being the one who is producing and, you know, their value proposition to the organization is through like directly delivering products and work to kind of relinquishing that control and empowering others to do it. And there's a lot of risk inherent in that and a lot of, you know, how to just identity. Um, how do I identify my, my value to the organization and, and feel a sense of job security around that? Um, and so I think that also speaks to just like this, this need to really continue to work with leaders in developing mindsets and, you know, their own sense of, of comfort and self especially as they as they you know sort of shift in their orientation to contributing through others yeah i often make the joke that trust is actually the greatest technology that that was invented <laughs> in the modern way of working, right? Because, I mean, yes, there's internet connection and Wi-Fi, and that's great. But what is fundamentally different, innovative, is not the fact that I have a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection or a drone or a watch and I can do all these things from home. It is that my organization trusts that regardless of where and when I work, I'm actually committed to the work and they are giving me the tools and the environment to do that. And to me, this is an absolute revolution from before. Yes, technology enabled that, but the mindset is where the real revolution is. Mm, yeah, I love that. So hopefully we're going to you know, continue evolving in this uh in this direction, but I think as long as we we have people committed to to flourishing and, and and applying positive psychology, that should be trending in the right direction. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> well, last question for you, uh, Shauna. Where can we learn more about your research, your thinking, and the different things you're and in, interpreting at BetterUp? Yeah, well, um, you know, our website has. Uh, a lot of our research papers and, you know, we publish things like an annual report, which this year in just a couple of weeks will be coming out on resilience. Last year, we had a report on belonging. All of our work is, is available on the website and that's betterup.co or .com. We own both um, of those domain names. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn and Facebook. And so, yeah, follow us on social media check us out on the website and we're always happy to answer questions. Fantastic. So once again, thanks for joining. It was a great conversation. We're glad you be you were able to spend the time with us. Great. Thanks so much for having me. 
This was Abroad Future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. I hope you learned something valuable. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and any feedback or rating is greatly appreciated. On LinkedIn and in real life, my name is Benoit Hardivelli and I thank you for your time.